The following pendant production contains mature subject matter. And now, here you are, the commentary for The Kingery, Season 3, Episode 3, also known as Episode 27. The title of this episode is Dance with the Devil, and the writer is Susan Bridges, who's with us today. This is the director, Perry Whittle, and also with us today is Assistant Director Bob Blakey. Uh, Susan, why don't you say hello? Hello. Bob, you want to say hello? Uh, this is the about the third or fourth episode that Bob has assisted on, and the first time that we've been able to schedule it, schedule the commentary so that Bob could be here. So, welcome, Bob. Oh, it's great! It's great to be here finally. I mean, like I said, it's the third episode, and finally get a chance to to jump on the commentary. Yeah. So I wanted to say, uh, let's see, first off, the music behind the previously is called The Happy Pill. We'll have a few more happy pills later on in this episode. And I just love Fiona Thrale's performance as Sylvia Arkell. So I really enjoyed having the opportunity to start this episode with her saying, and now here you are. Yeah, I, 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 I got to clean up all those lines, and the, they were really, really good. Her, the way she, uh, even all the different takes she had, I mean, I, I don't know how you picked the ones that you did, but they were really well done for, for all for two episodes she's been in now. This, this is the second one. That, Susan, did, did, did that character turn out the way that you thought it would? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because with when you're talking about Sylvia, Especially at the point when I wrote the episode, you know, you have to keep in mind that we hadn't heard her yet. So we were still just, it, and it could be a little awkward when you're writing someone that you've never heard. So you're trying to create a voice for them, and you never really know exactly how it's going to play, but I was really impressed with Fiona. Yeah. I was certainly impressed with her. Um, now we're in Tommy's house, and Tommy Arkell is played by Pete Milan, and Major is played by M. Sierra Garcia. The music here is called The Dream House, and it's by David Alexander MacDonald. Hey, boys, I'm back. What the fuck are you doing? I need now, the, the name of this episode is Dance with the Devil, correct? Yes. Yep. I know, I know. Exactly. You know, what's the origin of the name of that? I mean, what did you choose? All right, I get it, okay? Well, actually, um, as far as the naming goes, a lot of times we end up with an episode name before the script goes out to all the writers because if you know how the kangaroo works, uh, we do a first pass on the script. Each writer has a different scripts assigned to them throughout the season. And then that script goes out to everybody, and then we have a chat about it, and then we do revisions based on that chat. Well, this time, I don't think I ever sent a script with a title, so I don't think it was ever really discussed by anyone. It was just something I put on there. But just looking at it, I figured, here's Tommy and Major tiptoeing around Sylvia, and in, in that case, it's kind of, she's the devil there. And then you've got um, Madeline trying to dig into Tommy, and she thinks he's the devil. And then you've got Debbie and Hooks in their little scenes later where Debbie's kind of... She does try to manipulate Hooks into doing what she wants, and to, to Hooks, I think Debbie's the devil there. 
And then you look later on at the very end with Regina. She doesn't know even what she's gotten into. And she's kind of being torn between Shimizu and Tommy and not really knowing who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. So it kind of felt like the through line of the episode to me. You could even interpret. Sorry, go ahead, Barb. You know how to. Oh no, I was just saying. Then you got the drugs there with the Debbie and the hook scene, and that's uh, yep. always that's a big monkey on a lot of people's back. So it's kind of like a, a devil itself. So. It just looked smart. You might like it. Oh yeah, because a fucking book is gonna solve all my problems. I liked M. Sierra Garcia's performance in this episode. She sounds especially tender towards Tommy in this episode, uh, even more so than in the last episode. And I was surprised by that, uh, as, at how kind she really came across. I'm not hungry. You know what's going to happen. I'm going to walk out of here. So, Susan, you were talking about... Um, Choosing this episode to write, um, what uh, what drew you to this episode? Why did you decide to ask for this one to write? Actually, the thing that really drew me to it was Madeline going home. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to see where she was from. I wanted to kind of touch on her past where... You know, things weren't just black and white where she didn't Thank think you, Tommy was such a bad guy. I wanted her to have those moments of doubt and, and realization and um, a, a little bit of what might have been, you know, if things hadn't gone the way they did with her. So that was really the big thing that I really wanted to do. Right. Well, I think you did a great job, and it's starting right now. We've got birds singing. We've got dogs barking. We think we're in the suburbs. Are we on the same planet? Are we on the same asteroid or the same sector? Hard to say. We've got Alicia Lane Matheson doing a great job as Madeline Gray and Andrew Eckhart doing a wonderful job as Roberts. First name Maxwell, which we learned last episode. And, you know, I really like in here that Madeline, when she's talking to Robert, Robert, she's all a business. She's the cop we know and love. And then when she gets into the house and starts talking to Mrs. Hutchins, she seems like a totally different person almost. Right. Right. You saw that in the last episode, too, when she was talking to her father. It's a very a much softer side. I gotta go. Yes. Uh-huh. I loved Alicia's laugh he, when uh, she says, what? When uh, Robert says he's going back to the kingery. And then in the script, Susan, you had written several times that uh, Madeline is a little bit embarrassed by this whole uh exchange with Mitch Mrs. Hutchins that's coming up. Oh. Or Nora. I think I'm old enough I can call her Nora. Yes. <laughs> you know, I think she's so unused to people being kind to her, to get that feeling from her. Uh-huh. That she just has become kind of jaded in her line of work and that when someone is kind, she doesn't really even know how to react. Yeah. So we had um, 
Maddie waiting on the porch for a while, and because, Susan, you'd put in this stuff that she feels embarrassed about it, I sort of wanted to have a long, awkward pause. And we had some outtakes of Leisha where she was clearing her throat, so I grabbed some of those and put them in while she was waiting. And it just, uh, I felt like it helped indicate her nervous, somewhat embarrassed state. And she definitely does sound nervous to me, like just like kind of out of her element. Like it's been such a long time since she's done this, she's forgotten how. Yes, absolutely. And I'm putting the honey right here for you. And also, I um, I usually try to keep the pace between scenes really quick so that I keep things moving. And here, you took us to the suburbs, and I just thought that we wanted to have a bit more space. We wanted to slow it down a little bit, so we have those the, the long, awkward pause on the on the porch after she rings the doorbell. Um, things just don't move as fast here in the suburbs. And um, the music here is Astrobatics by David Alexander McDonald. And I want to say Jean Rose is doing a fantastic job as Nora Hutchins. Just a great performance. And Susan, this must be just about the nicest, sweetest character ever to appear in the Kingery. <laughs> yes, and probably the nicest one to appear for quite some time, I'm sure. Yes. I didn't come back for a date. Well, you can't blame me for trying. Did you have any... Um, so he's not married. Models for that character, or is is this just you were able to write uh, Nora Hutchins so easily because you're just a, a generally nice person? Is that what it was? <laughs> no, I, you know, she's probably an amalgamation of people. So there are some friends that I've had who've had some amazing mothers that I have known. And so she's kind of a little bit of everybody all sprinkled together. And did they, did they all try to set you up with their son, like uh, Nora tried to with Maddie? I thought that was a nice little touch. You know, not all of them. I did have at least one person say, you know, I wish you were my daughter. So, yes, some mothers do do stuff like that. That's pretty sweet. And I thought the really sweet thing about that was was Nora saying, I want the best for my boy. Um, you know, just to go back to the um, point that you were making, Susan, about uh, this is someone who's actually being nice to Maddie. And obviously right, and also saying to her that, you know, if there's something to find, she's going to find it because she knows it might be smart and capable. <clears throat> right. So I'm just genuinely completely supportive of her. Right. So now we're back at Tommy's. Uh, yay. <laughs> yay. And the music is Atlantis Rising by David Alexander McDonald. And at the beginning of this scene, Pete did something great with his voice where it sounds like he was just waking up. Uh, I was just so impressed with that. I thought that was incredible. Uh, unless he just recorded the line as soon as he got out of bed in the morning, in which case, you know, okay, who cares? Whatever. Yeah, you're fucking right about that. Go in the bedroom and mess up the bed. You got it, boss. I'm all over it. I'm all over it? Major says, Tommy tells her to mess up the bed and she says, I'm all over it? I think that was a little bit of a Freudian ad lib there from M. Sierra Garcia as Major. <laughs> 
I think she'd like to get all over his bed. Um, Let me get that, boss. Susan, what was the hardest thing about writing this episode? How do you take it, ma'am? Cream, two sugar. Uh, no problem. The hardest part was probably how my son takes his coffee major. Um, working in Sylvia stuff because she still feels new to me. So making sure that the information that needed to come across and that team came across, and maybe making sure everyone played against each other the way I wanted them to. You would. So I'm sure I made a lot more changes to Sylvia's lines than anybody else's. Well, I thought it came out great. I certainly would not have pegged that as, like, uh, um, something that seemed awkward or, or looked terribly, terribly reworked or anything. No, I mean, I don't know if there was a lot of reworking, but I, I felt like I wanted to make sure I got the way that she sounded correct. Right. So that can be a little rough. Yeah. In the beginning. Yeah. No. Susan, what was the easiest thing about, about this episode for you? Weakened position. Probably Major and Tommy. <laughs> They're way too, too fun to write. War is bad for business, Thomas. Yeah. You know that. I thought Fiona... I guess, um... There are ladies... No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say I thought Fiona Thrale's performance is wonderful overall, but especially this line, please have some coffee and sit down. Um, just the way she delivered that just made me laugh out loud. That was so wonderful. that's why we have this problem. What do you mean? You hear she's doing a fine job. What were you going to say, Susan? Fine. I'll go down there. Oh, I was going to say also probably Debbie and Hooks was a little difficult. Make sure she's back on our side. Just trying to work that all out. You understand. Yeah. The getting the plot points in there. And him turning it down and, you know, and also getting the humor in there the way I wanted it to be. Uh, yes. Sure. Ma'am. So there was a line just right there from, um, Sylvia, you understand me. I don't remember if that was in the first episode she was in or not, but it's such, such a, it's a commanding line. It's not a question, let's say. Yeah, it, it, that's what I was gonna say. Is that something that the writer teams came up together as part of her character, or is that just something that just kind of happened? Nope, they came up with it as a team for something for her character to be very threatening. It was part of the audition as well. Right. Told you to stay out of here. This is my office, okay? You've got the whole other room. Hooks, calm down. I'm here to see and, you. And there's very well doing a great job as Hooks. Yes, me and Lexi Rawl doing a fantastic job as Devi. And the music in this scene uh, starts off as Goomba dance. What are you gonna do? I mean the drugs, Hooks. The drugs. What drugs? The ones you've been taking. The ones I gave you. Those aren't. I did want to say also from the previous scene when Sylvia knocks, that measured knock on the door, I really enjoyed that. Good. That, yes, in the script you said precise knock. I tried to make a precise knock. I'm really sorry I gave those to you, so... Well, it seems very precise. Come on, don't you yes. want to just not need it anymore? I want a, a lot of things. I haven't gotten so any. So, Barry, right here, you're getting ready to have a, a 
probably one of my favorite parts of this episode, and uh, which I, I got to be very difficult to, to do the editing on this, and it's coming up here in just a second. Um, you picked up some really good lines for it and everything like that. Just, what went into to doing the, the scene after Perry, or after, not Perry, it's, it's you, after Hooks decided to, to go ahead and go forward with the uh, injection? And, and all that that happens after that. I mean, what all went into that? Good <laughs> question. In terms of the mixing? Yeah, as far as the mixing, the picking of the lines, I mean, there's some really good takes in that, I know. I mean, I, I heard most of it, so... Um, yeah, wow, I wish I had something intelligent to say, but I'm fresh out. Um, uh, Late night. Or you could talk about how you managed to make all those cool riding around on the floor noises. Yeah, um, I, well, I was riding around on the floor, of course. Um, I found that, I think that was the most difficult thing for me to do, um, because I can be very hard on my own performances. So this was one of the things that came together pretty late, I would say, because um, I was avoiding it, avoiding it, avoiding it. And once I got the... But so so what I did was I bit the bullet and eventually got all the sounds in there and then I just started throwing in sound effects because it, it's pretty clear from the script what you know what should be happening uh, he should be writhing on the ground he should be somehow bumping the desk because Debbie says hang on I'll move you away from it and he hits her somehow and then I thought well she's uh, you know, Debbie is trying to turn over a new leaf, but she's still Debbie underneath it all. And if he kicks her or hits her, she's going to give him a shot in the ribs. So there's another, there's another one of those in there, you know, because she just can't resist. Um, that's how I did that. And then I tried to build up to the end of the um, scene and just kind of get out really fast. I really like the line uh, that we went past a little while ago where Debbie says, "It's uh, maybe this was a bad fucking idea. I just somehow the placement of that swear word in that phrase is uh, just lovely. And somewhere in there, we, the music transitioned to a new song, which is called Gravel Roman Numeral 2, or Gravel II, if you prefer. And I do like how, you know, yes, it's Debbie trying to change, yet at the same time, she's still being kind of deceptive. And also, what's her reason for doing this for Hooks? Because she feels guilty. So really, it's not very altruistic, I don't think, on her part. I think she just needs to feel better about herself, and that's why she kind of tricks Hooks into doing this. Uh yeah, it's sort of um, tricking someone to do something good for themselves. Very interesting. Yes. <laughs> now we're in Regina's office, and the music is interstitial space. Jane Parrish plays Regina, does a great job. Now we've got Tommy Arkell, um, played by Pete Milan, and M. Sierra Garcia playing Major. How are you doing, Tommy? Much better, thank you. Please, sit 
And um, speaking of people who might be feeling a little bit guilty still, uh, I think it's interesting that in this scene, Regina is going to talk about the shootout. And as she did with Sarah, she talks about it. In the last episode, sorry, that was in the last episode. But she doesn't know, she never quite admits that she fired the first shot. She says that somehow it was her fault, she screamed, and then there was a lot of shooting. But she doesn't really admit that she was the one who fired the first shot. Um, I think that if she does admit it, she'll feel a lot better. Uh, but at the same time, she'll be in more physical danger. And then, and then everybody started shooting. I think she still can't admit it to herself. Maybe if I hadn't, things would have been... The police have tests for gunpowder on your hands. Hey, Regina. Yes, yes, they do. That could help her admit it to herself. your fault. All those cops with Shepard in a standoff. It was going to go down one way or the other. If it hadn't been you, it would have been something else. Really. Did anything here, Susan, sound uh, exactly like you imagined oh it in this episode? Yeah. I could see that. My point is, don't. I think probably yourself. the first As a matter of fact, scene of Major and Tommy did. Mm-hmm. And and the, the second Major and Tommy scene, I, I think, sounded better. <laughs> <laughs> he surprised you. Interesting. But those were the ones that were the most like Fine. I thought they would be. That coming. I should have. Now it's your burden. Oh, cool. I still feel like Bob. Um, what was your path into assistant directing? How did you uh, decide to decide to help out? That's how he got all those well, lunatics to follow him. I've been listening to uh, uh, shows for a while. I kind of got out of it for a little bit, but the, got back into it. And, and uh, I've been doing so sure audio stuff that. since high school. I've, I've uh, worked as a radio disc jockey in production as well as on-air talent. So uh, I've always had an interest in that. And then I saw Jeffrey's post for director's class and decided to go ahead and, and see, uh, see if I would... Uh, something I'd like to do and sit on there with uh, Jeffrey for about five and a half hours, like made it through that, and just that, uh, he offered me the job. I said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. I don't have a lot of time, but I'll help out. Oh, sir, that's I where I am. You. I should have yeah, I actually hadn't even heard the Kingery at all prior to, to be becoming uh, director. So my first Kingery yeah, experience was actually editing, helping you edit one of the scenes from 3-1. Yeah, right. I'll see you around. Right. That was good. Well, let's see. We had the music there was Treacherous Places. And now, finally, Susan, congratulations. You're the person who got to write the first face-to-face -face meeting of Shimizu and Tommy. Mr. Arkell, a pleasure as always. And uh, we have Michael King as Shimizu, and we have Kim Giannopoulos as Ingar. Did you know, Ingar, that pigs have an excellent sense of smell? Of course, Shimizu-san. It seems, Mr. Arkell, that we are a bit more educated than your personnel. Maybe I can show you just how educated I am. So, yes, this is a little, uh... 
interesting to write again it's a character that i was like who is this guy what about him again because he's been mentioned and we've seen him in a couple episodes way back a long time ago this was going to work so, step in and start running the place. And pretty much in the ally, it was like, have him say something about the Arkells being taped. So I was like, okay, that's all I had to go on. I believe it's now free of rats. Isn't that right? Yeah. Found one. And back there, we had uh, M. Sierra Garcia contributed a bunch of lovely ad-libs about her education. She said, um, Nice job there. Yes. Yeah, I put my favorite in the show, and some of the others were, I got a Ph.D. in kicking your ass. I did my master's in ass-kicking. I was class president of the school of kicking your ass halfway down this hallway. And my degree is in snapping your leg. I'm sorry, I blew it. My degree is in snapping your neck like a twig. It's war. So I loved all those. Observation, Mr. Arkell. And I wanted to say the the whole rat line about ridding the kingery of rats. I love the undertone of that of that statement about. Well, I mean, obviously he's talking about Julie. Right. Yeah, boy. Very nice line reads, definitely. Not if I beat you to it, boy. And then we've got uh, Pete ad-libbing stinking bag of fuck. And I just thought, what in the world does that mean? I have to put it in the show. Maybe somebody will send me an email and explain that to me. And I liked it a lot. And then uh, we had that slide through the door. The, where we were in the hallway with uh, Tommy and Major, and then we slid through the door to be in the room with mm-hmm. Regina. And that was one of the things that I was just scratching my head about and was very grumpy about for a long time, dreading how I was going to do it. And then once I figured it out, I really thought it was fun, and I really like the effect now. Thanks for making me do that, Susan, making me figure that out. <laughs> I hope other people like it, too. I hear the theme music. Yes, I actually had trouble with that one. I did, because at first I had Ingar and she needed to show up with Regina in the room. Room, but then we changed it so that they weren't in the room, and so I, we were trying to work that out. Yeah. There's a bunch of stuff to do there. So now we have uh, Bruce Busby for the first time reading the credits. He's doing a wonderful job. And it's time for us to go. Kudos to everybody who contributed to this episode, and let's say goodbye. Yay! Goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Goodbye.